We want to see all things how you see things. We want to see even time how you see time. Lord, we want to see hope how you see hope. We want to see peace how you see peace. We want to see joy how you see joy and love how you see love. Lord, we ask that that what's said tonight is your word. Lord, let anything that's not of you disappear. Lord, you, you've said that, that you, <clears throat> you purify our works by fire. Lord, we want to be a people that are purified by your word and that all that's left is, is the gold, silver, and precious stone of your word in our hearts. So, Lord, let the fire of your word even purify our minds as we have our, our minds renewed by your word. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, we're continuing the series of Advent. And you remember why we, why we do this, right? Because you can't think about everything all the time. I've tried, and it about, it about drive you crazy if you try to think about too many things at once. So the reason we take a season for Advent is because it's important. It is important that we, we look at the incarnation of Christ, that we, we look at one of the founding principles of our faith, that Christ with us, our hope of glory. So tonight we're going to be talking about love, but Advent is that, it's that, it's a time on the church calendar, but it's also, it means something. It means the arrival. So we are celebrating Christ's arrival, not only that, we're, we are celebrating in future tense his, his second coming, amen? So our main text is Romans 5, uh, 1 through 5, and we're, we're going to read that out of the message translation. I'm really actually happy um, that this series is coming to an end because I feel like God is trying to get something in me, and it's been it's been a little tough. I think I think you can relate to that, right? Have you ever have you ever been in a place where God's showing you something, even in Scripture, and it's it kind of hits a nerve. It kind of hits a little bit of uh, oh, I need an adjustment here. Kind of like when you when you go to the chiropractor and he he cracks and he pops and gets everything lined up and maybe sore for a day or two, but then all of a sudden you go. Man, it sure is good to be in line, right? All right, so we'll start reading in Romans 5.1. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him. We have it all together with God. Man, I don't feel like I have it all together. Y'all ever feel like you have it all together? We have it all, but this is the Word. We have it all together with God because our master Jesus, you see, there, there, there we go. Sometimes I try to be my own master. And the thing is, when we make Jesus our master, he makes all things work for our good. He's the one that prepares our steps. He's the one that lights our way, amen? So, And that's not all. We throw open the doors to God and discover at the same moment, he has always thrown, he has already thrown open his door to us. 
we find ourselves standing where we'd always hoped that we might. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. See, this is where I've been. I've I've been a little hemmed in. I've been a little troubled. But I know what the Scripture says. It says this, we continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with trouble. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we have never, we're never left feeling shortchanged. We talked last week about, about joy and about sometimes we, we, we prepare ourselves for disappointment. So it seems like it's easier if we're already prepared to be disappointed. Something in that just seems easier, right? That, well, I'm probably going to be disappointed. So how often does that meet your expectations? Every time, right? But here's the thing that disappointment allows. It allows the living water to be dammed up and not, and not enter into your desert. When we look to joy, that Jesus is our joy, then it opens the flow. When we say, no, I'm not going to be disappointed. Because Scripture says that, that those who are disappointed actually allow Jesus to be a stumbling block to them. Because He wills good for us. So the next verse is, quite to the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God has generously pours out into our lives through the Holy Spirit. So we read these verses. I actually got, I got stuck in Romans, 1, uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5 for about a year, several years ago. Just asking God, how, how, how do I rejoice even in suffering? We talked about hope to, to kick the series off, and the reason we need hope is why? Because things aren't as they should be. They aren't as they will be. But we have hope in Jesus that, that He is our hope of glory and that He is going to work things out. So today, I'm going to ask some hard questions. And I think you guys can handle it. We're talking about this Advent season, about paying attention and alert expectancy for what God wants to do. Alert expectancy. So are we paying attention or are we repeating cliches? You know what I'm talking about? The stuff we say when we just don't really know what to say. And oh, you're a good Christian, so so you just go, oh, You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Um, Oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not even scriptural there. He says He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your, your measure to resist. He'll always give you a way out of temptation. But I daily face more than I can handle. And it's at that point where we get to go and find the grace we need. It's in trust that we get to go find the grace that we need. So this time of year, what's, what are some of the cliches that, that I hear all the time? <laughs> Please forgive me. 
I know these are good Christian sayings, but they kind of hit like a nerve with some of you I've walked through like marriage counseling, premarital counseling, that sort of stuff. There is a huge percentage of what we say that we say without saying it. The words you, you speak only mean about 10% of what you're saying. How you say them and your attitude, your posture, says so much more. <sighs> okay. Everybody say, Pastor Landon, have courage. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Put, 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 put Christ back in Christmas. When did he ever come out? Thank you. Put Christ back in Christmas. Yeah, I, we've been talking about that with Advent series. Like, let's, let's not let our holy days be stolen and just become an empty holiday, right? So put Christ back in Christmas. It's a true statement. But how many times have I heard it with venom? Put Christ back in Christmas. Boy, you just really, all you really did was was stirred up a hornet's nest and, and probably pushed people out, excluded them from, from the reason for the season. Because that's the other one. What's wrong with you people? Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, there's a lot of love in the way I said that, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. But have we looked to Him? Do we know Him? Do we know what He would do? Do we know how He would do it? Or are we simply saying something flippantly because we don't want to dig deeper? We're insecure because we don't really know Him. So we say things that really pump up our ego more than anything because, well, at least we're a part of this clique. So even if it's true, how you say something is, has great meaning. The next part breaks my heart. The, the church has tended to be known more by what we are against than what we are for. If we look at the true living Jesus, we're going to speak truth, and we're going to speak grace. We've been learning about that. We're going to speak truth, and we're going to speak grace. We're going to do it in love. I was just, I was just reading about the woman at the well, and Jesus is telling her that, that there is a day coming when, when people will worship in spirit and in truth. You know, he told her so much. He said, I'm the living water. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. And, and he told her her past. He already knew her past. And then he said, daughter, I condemn you not either. Your accusers have gone. And then he gave her some truth. He said, go and sin no more. There was so much love in what Jesus did. He didn't refrain from truth, but how he said it was directly to her. She went and she told all of her friends, I met this guy. He knows everything I ever did. And he wasn't afraid of her brokenness. Why was Jesus not afraid of the woman's brokenness? Because he came to heal 
our brokenness. So what does Jesus look like? Have you thought about it? I'm not talking about his physical features, but... You know, he obviously is full of the Holy Spirit, so love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, those are our embodiments of Jesus. The only way that we get that is spending time with him, looking to his face and learning who he is. So another, we've been talking this month, hope. If you embrace the hope that Jesus has, one of two things is going to happen. Well, probably two things are going to happen. People are going to try to run down and make fun of you because you, you have some hope. Okay, so there's, there's that. That's sad, but oh well. The other thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to look up at you and go, where did that come from? I need it. The same for peace, the same for joy. Tonight we're going to look a little deeper at what love means. And you do know that words have meanings, right? meaning, right? I've said it before, and I was told the other day I, I need to keep saying it. So I'm going to give you a word. Black dog. What do you see? Give me some feedback here. If I say black dog, Randy, what do you see? What kind of dog do you see? A lab. You see a lab too. Sharon, how about you? What kind of dog do you see? A black dog. How about you, Kelsey? You saw a lab. So evidently we are some duck hunting folk. We like some labs. I like them too. A chihuahua. I don't know why, I'm, I'm like everybody said this manly dog. Every time I see black dog, I see this little curly-haired mutt. I, I don't know. You have one. And it's, that's what, I don't know why I see that. But words mean things to different people. They paint different pictures. The words we're given, the language we're given, it, it's to paint a picture. It's like peace. Shalom means so much more in the Hebrew that we think it just means that we'll be calm and we'll be relaxed. We won't worry. It actually means completeness. It means um, it means provision. Everything you need is inside shalom, is inside peace. It's kind of like salvation. If we just think that, um, okay, salvation means we get to go to heaven one day, we miss out on everything that God is trying to get into the earth. Christianity is not escapism. We aren't trusting Jesus just to go somewhere. He's, he's, I'll, I'll show you the scripture here in a little while. He didn't send you here, save you, just to pull you out of here and get you to heaven. Yeah, one day we get to go. That's going to be a great day. Looking forward to it. How about y'all? But he's called us today for a reason, to be here. Do you know why we pray for people? We pray for people because 
we have authority on earth. We are created in God's image. God spoke the earth into existence. Our words have power. The Scripture even says that life and death are in the tongue. So the reason God put somebody on your heart this afternoon, it wasn't just so you'd think about them. It was so that you'd lift them up in prayer. You go, God, I, I, I lift Justin to you tonight. I just thank you so much that where he's at, that you are going to speak to him right now. You're going to give him peace. You're going you're to show him your heart. You can close your eyes and God can put somebody in front of you just like that. And he's going to use you to get his will done. He's going to use you to send spiritual things in effect. I know it sounds kooky. Well, we worship a God who is spirit. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, Everybody knows the next scripture, but everybody that knows the next scripture doesn't know what Jesus looks like. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved who? The church, the world. Hey, we're, we're here. He loves us too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The people that aren't following him, that aren't in church every Wednesday night, the people that feel like they have sinned their way past grace, God loves them. He gave His Son for them and you and I. So how can we reach them? Because verse 17 says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. First John 4, it talks about that we will be known as the disciples of God, by our love one for, for another, right? How's the world going to know what, what true love is? Except when they see us love. Except when they see us walk it out. When they see us lifting each other up and holding each other up. Sometimes we have to enter the mess. Because people are worth it, and people are messy. You're messy, and you're worth it. I'm messy sometimes, and I'm thankful I have people that, that reach into my life and speak to that mess. We want to look like we, we're called Christians because we want to be like him. Well, what did Jesus do? He, he entered our brokenness to heal us with his love. So we, we, think, we think about a broken car or a broken iPad or a broken 
you name it, a broken air conditioner, broken hot water heater, what do we want to do? We want to go fix it. We go down a checklist. It needs a new coil. It needs a new spark plug. It needs this. It needs that. We go down this checklist. God didn't give us a checklist. He gave us a relationship. When he died on the cross, he came in. He entered our brokenness so that we could be healed. He didn't come to just fix us. He came to restore original creation where God was walking with man in the coolness of the evening. God took our brokenness personally. He took ownership of it. He said, those are my kids. I'm going to get them. And that's why we celebrate this time of year. We remember that He came. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of God appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's important what he said, Joseph, son of David, because 700 years beforehand, the prophet Isaiah had prophesied this. It said, from the stump of Jesse shall shoot forth a, 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 a branch, a, a, a rod. And that's where the lineage of Jesus even was, was prophesied. It says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. And Matthew quotes Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we don't serve, you know, you talk to people sometimes and, and they tell you who they know God as, right? And a lot of times people, they, they see God with a lightning bolt in his hand, just ready to pounce. Come on, Ricky, screw up one more time. I'm coming for you. Well, I don't worship that God either. Because the God I serve so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He entered into our brokenness. He wasn't pushing us away with, with condemnation and with fear and with shame. He came that we could overcome sin because sin is deadly. Can I get a witness? Sin will kill you. But He gave us the power to overcome it through His grace. You know what else God takes personally? His Word. He says it is true. God cannot lie. 
he will not lie because he cannot lie because he is the truth. So again, what does Jesus look like? Let's look at, at John. We're going to be in John a lot tonight. John 1.6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is the Apostle John talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light and all that might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. It's kind of like us. We're, we're here to bear witness about what God has done for, done for us. It's incredible. You, you read about John the Baptist and how incredible. I, I think that would have been a cool guy to meet. I mean, he, he didn't care. He's eating locusts and wearing his camel skin and he was just going to serve God. I think he'd be a cool guy. I bet he was a little awkward and a little weird. I just have a feeling. I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But he came to bear witness about a light, about the light. And I guarantee you people said he was crazy. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the whole world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This is why we need to stop with the cliches and get to know Jesus. Do you know why Christ, keep Christ in Christmas is an important thing? If we're saying it to ourselves. If we take the plank out of our eye and go, Landon, you need to put the Christ back in Christmas. That's one thing. It's another thing for me to go down to Target and pick it and go, you guys need to put Christ back in Christmas. I mean, if, if they, if they want to succeed, they will, but God's not going to force them. I had to think about something for a minute. <laughs> Try to think if I ever saw Jesus pick at anything. Now, he went through and he kicked over some money changers' tables, but that was in the church. He chased, he chased the, the, the people who said they knew what, said they were following God out of the temple. But yet he went to tax collectors and he went to all of the downtrodden and he met with them. And he pulled them out. He entered their brokenness. It's hard to let Jesus enter something that you believe is already fixed. He was in the world, and yet the world was made through and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. God, let that not be said about our church. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God did not withhold His love because we were broken. You ever feel like, man, I I screwed up again. I don't know if I can go to God. I don't know if I can give Him this. He has never withheld His love because we were broken. Repentance is an attribute of one who trusts God, who trusts Jesus. Shame is not. You know, somebody that knows they're loved by God, they can run to Him. They can, okay, for, for, us, for us to sin, for us to turn away from God, there is no sin in Him. There is no wrong in Him. So, so if He's where you are, if God's where you are, out there, and I'm over here and get tripped up in sin, All I have to do is turn and run back to Him. I cannot run to Him with that dragon behind. Because if I turn to Him and I've repented, He takes care of that. He takes care of my past. John 1.16 says, And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. When we look to his grace, we see hope, we see peace, we see joy, and we see love. So if those things aren't in our life, we're looking at the creation and not the creator. I was talking to Jasmine earlier, and just talking about, man, I've got a, I've got a vision for this church. I have no idea how to get there sometimes, but I've got a vision. And I get sometimes I get distracted by the big vision that I'm trying to figure out the next step. And so I get frustrated, and I go, well, what is the next step? What do I do? How do I serve you, God? And then I realize that my big vision is small potatoes to him. Not that he doesn't want big things to happen. He does, right? But in the scheme of things, he wills nothing but good for his kids. So if he sent me somewhere to do something, he's going to provide for what he sent, Right? And as we trust Him, as we lean into Him, as we obey Him, as we look to His grace, to His fullness, to His mercy, to His shalom, we will be fully provided for. How could we ever think that God's mission, that God is not going to fund His mission? He just needs people that are willing to get out of the way and let it get done. So tonight... I would love for you guys to read 1 John 4, 7 through 5, 5. And there's so much in 1 John. I'm just going to bounce around a little bit. But it talks so much about 
God's love. Because for one, 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not um, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay. So what about that crazy ex-husband or crazy ex-wife? What about that crazy family member? What about that kid at school that picks on you and gave you a bloody nose? And What do we do? Love them. What's that look like? One, we can use our words. We can pray for them. Something transforms in our hearts. If I could, if I could teach one thing and, and really have people get it, and like really have, that I really believe would change the world. Like I, I believe this with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my being. If we would pray for our enemies, we would be healed. Because it transforms our heart. So yeah, maybe we have to put some boundaries up and say, hey, because of the way you treat people, you can't really be around my family right now. That's not a lack of love. That would be lacking love for my family to let them in that close, right? But I can pray from you for, from where you're at. And it helps my heart. And if you turn to Jesus, it helps yours. So literally, if we would just pray for our enemies, if we would pray for those that spit on us and make fun of us, and most of that's imaginary anyway. Hate to bust your bubble, you're not, I'm not that important. I'll backtrack a little bit there. Maybe you are. <sighs> See. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You know when we react? It's almost always out of fear. Like, most of our dysfunction that we buy into, that we believe, it's almost always out of fear. It's because we don't know how much God loves us. Once we get over that, once we get how much God loves us, we can love others. Because we're not afraid anymore. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. How are you supposed to give something if you don't have it? Remember Black Dog? God's love, agape love, means something different than what we probably see. We need to discover what he says his love is. Anyone says that I love God and hates his brother is a liar. You know, this was the apostle of love, the apostle John. He just called people a liar and hates his brother, for he does not love his brother who, for he who lo- does not love his brother who he can't, who he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. 
And it says this, this is the good news. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God. Y'all believe that Jesus is Christ, right? You, you believe he's the Lord, he's the Savior, he's Messiah. Yeah? Okay. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. That was too much. <laughs> By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. That remnant of the world that's left in you, if you allow God to love you through this, you will overcome. He's already overcome. We're created in His image. He is maturing. The reason we come to church, people, is to grow. The reason we assemble together is because we need to grow. We're actually called in Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 4, to, be, to grow into the measure and the fullness and the stature of Christ Jesus. And I'm a long ways from that, but but with help of my brothers and sisters who I love, I grow. When we serve each other, we grow. When we hear the Word, you know, how many of you know the Word of God is not just written? It actually lives, it abides in His people. Black dog. I love hearing what other people have to say about the Scriptures even because they have a different perspective. When we get outside of ourselves, it allows God to expand our minds that we don't have to be small-minded anymore. It's okay if you are now, but grow. Know there's more. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one that believes in Christ Jesus? God sends his love to us, then he sends us. So we, he sends it to us, we receive it, and then he sends us to share the same. In Jesus' high priestly prayer before his crucifixion, in John 17, 18, he says, and this is in red in my Bible, as you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. Who did he send? Those that believed in him. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. That'd be us. It's, it's amazing when you even look at Christmas that for thousands of years, there were, the people of God were waiting for a Savior. Waiting, hoping, trying, believing, stumbling, trying, hoping, believing, 
frustrated, hoping, believing, praising, over and over in these cycles. They were just like us. They'd get frustrated, then, then in the Psalms, they'd say, God, my enemies have overtaken us. And then you read a little bit more, and they go, but you've got us, God. And then all of a sudden, they're rejoicing, and they've overcome the battle even in their own minds. Let's read on. I do not ask only for these, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe in that you have sent me. So it's the unity of the church, the body of Christ, that shows the world who Jesus is. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. We are called to unity. You have to love somebody. Not with pup, not with what is it? Uh, not with puppy love like a crush. Like that'll barely get you out of high school. If you're married and you've had any success at all in marriage, you've had to die to yourself a little bit and prefer the other. You've had to be patient with the other person. I know my wife has had to be very patient with me sometimes. You've had to forbear. You've had to put yourself aside. That ain't puppy love. We're getting a little closer to what God's kind of love is there. In them, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Man, Jesus is talking a lot about us being in unity, being one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And guess what his son did? He gave us to the world. Our cliches, our Christianese, they're hollow and meaningless. But agape love, God's kind of love, is what saved us. It's what saved the world. The church too long has embraced escapism and not embraced their mission. If we allow ourselves to practice hope, peace, joy, and love, we will find ourselves pregnant and alert with expectancy. I've never been pregnant. Sorry, I probably need to reel you back in now. But I've seen my wife go through pregnancy. I've seen friends go through it. So without too much detail, there has to be there has to be seed and egg, and then there has to be a season of pregnancy. There has to be a season of bearing. 
Do you know what the longest part of pregnancy is? The last day. I think the last two days. Just like this, this baby is never coming. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't get comfortable. You can't. You can't even function. But joy comes in the morning. I really, 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 really believe that so many of us quit, we lose hope before the the fruit comes. We lose joy before the, the pregnancy comes to bear fruit. We lose our peace. Man, that's the first thing the enemy likes to attack is our peace. Because if he can get our peace, you know what he's really getting to? God's love for you. Because he's told the woman, as the enemy told the woman, did God really tell you that? Did he really tell you that? Did he really tell you? She was, he was questioning whether she could even hear God. Sometimes we have to stand and we have to bear and we have to have long-suffering because joy comes in the morning. There is always a pregnancy season before the greatest joy of your life. Don't quit. Stir up hope. Stir up joy. Stir up faith. Stir up peace. Stir up love within yourself. It's not far. Jesus gives us all of that. So let's look real quick about what God's kind of love is. You all know this, but have you paid attention? Do you know this is what God says His love is? This is more than a bumper sticker. This is more than a refrigerator line. This is more than put Christ back in Christmas. I hate when scriptures become just a saying, love is patient and kind. Soak in. Why don't you close your eyes? Let me read it to you. Love is patient and kind. This is God's love. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. If you struggle, you can look back up. If you struggle with knowing what God is and knowing the value He has for you. Go and read these things. This is God's love for you. This is how He feels about you. He doesn't give us these things and say, okay, show me, show me that kind of love. He gives it to us. That's how He loves us. And then, like a good father, He says, okay, let's practice this. That's how He enters into our brokenness. 
There's also good news. He doesn't leave us broken. It's funny, but even in his peace, we're very, we're, we're very rarely comfortable. Because if we're really in his peace, we're allowing him to remove. We're allowing the sculptor to carve away what he originally created. So there's comfort in knowing he's doing that, but sometimes we just try to be comfortable and, and, and live the way we've always lived. We've got a greater calling than that. I love that picture, though, that we've got a sculptor. Jesus is a sculptor. He is, he's going in. He's coming to love us. He's entering into our brokenness. He's the architect, right? Like, he created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. So he knows exactly who he created Don to be. And if Don submits to God, the sculptor just begins to carve and, and shape and mold and, and take Don's heart and, and say, Don, this is, this is how I love you. And then he'll take your heart and he'll say, this is... This is, let me show you how much I love him and her. He sculpts us in that way with his love. When we receive the grace and the truth that Jesus gives, we become a vessel of light and love. Jesus embodied light and love. He was the light that was, that was prophesied. He was... He was the end to the darkness's reign. He was the end to the reign of darkness. The church has been celebrating Christmas since about A.D. 200. So about 200 years after, after Jesus was born, we, the church, have been celebrating the Immaculate Conception, the, the God with us, Emmanuel. You know, there was a season where even, even the Jews, it, it, they were struggling back and forth with it, and you know, the temple was destroyed, and, and all of these things, all of these signs that had already been foretold. But that one man has been able to make such an impact that in a day where there was no cell phones, there was no internet, there was no five o'clock news, it was just a few years and, and people all around were celebrating the birth of their Savior. And it has grown and it has grown and it has grown. Well, guess what else has grown? His kingdom. The prophet Isaiah also said for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I don't know what your end time theology is. I believe what the prophet Isaiah said, of the increase of his government 
and of peace. There will be no end. I'm in. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm in his army. I don't know how it all shakes out. They didn't know there was a baby coming. Well, they did, actually. But they probably looked at Mary and said, yeah, that's what happened. Okay. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I don't know what it looks like, but I know it's true. In your life, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. In the world around us, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. We have to make him our king, our Lord, our boss, our Messiah to actually see that in our lives because it says we have to be born again. We have to die to ourselves and allow him full authority in our life on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Pay attention to Jesus and you will see hope, peace, joy, and love. That as this season comes to a close, that each of us have taken some time to look at him, to look at Jesus, and to know what his face looks like.